0: The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Habakkuk got burdened over his circumstances. As a matter of fact, Josiah, when he began to reign in 609 BC, he he had set some great reforms to the nation of Israel. They were worshiping God. He had brought, uh, again, them back from captivity, but yet the kings that came after him forgot God. They forgot that they needed God. They forgot how necessary God was to the success of the nation. And uh, can I submit to you today that maybe perhaps we find ourselves in a similar situation, that there's been years before where as a nation we've regarded God, as a nation we have regarded his word, as a nation we've seen our need and uh, our dependence on God, in order to, if you would, survive the onslaught. Uh, let me say this as much as there were, there was evil and wickedness and armies. And as we watch the news today, we understand there's a lot of evil in this world. There's a lot of things that are in this world right now that that are evil, that are wicked, people that are hurting and harming even little children uh, all the way through as we look at the nations that are around us. And we understand uh, that uh, sometimes when we see that, we become a little uneasy because we feel not as protected or not as safe, especially when uh, the people that are, if you would, the rulers or the people that are in government uh, don't seem to be protecting our freedoms, don't seem to be protecting us as a people. And we begin to question some things and we begin to feel unsafe. And, and sometimes we can, we can, if we're not careful, we can turn all this confusion and, and all the things that we're seeing in the news and, and all the, if you would, the onslaught of wickedness that we see even in our own society and our own culture. And if we're not careful, we can begin to blame God for these things. We can begin to think that somehow God's forgotten us. We can begin to think that maybe perhaps God doesn't care about us anymore. And that's why we're going through what we're going through. But Habakkuk had to see something in order for him to understand why he was going, what he was going, why he was going to go through what he was going to go through. Now, when you read the book of Habakkuk, it's not, it's not a wonderful for the nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, God is telling them that they're going to be taken captive, that they're going to be besieged, that they're going to be attacked, that... In many cases, many of them will be destroyed. Now, that's not happy news. But what God's saying to Habakkuk is, there's a reason why I'm sending this. There's a reason for the condition you find yourself in. There's a reason for, if you would, the circumstances that you find yourself in. Some of us, personally speaking, are finding ourselves in today, perhaps a condition or a circumstance that's uncomfortable. And maybe it's uh, uh, financially today, maybe it's emotionally, maybe it's physically. Maybe it's something that's around you, maybe your circumstance is something that is, is causing depression, causing doubt, causing discouragement right now in your life, and you feel overwhelmed with your circumstances. Anybody ever feel overwhelmed with your circumstances? I mean, just overwhelmed with what's going on in your life, and, and you begin sometimes just like we all begin, and by the way, just like Habakkuk did. He began to question if God was hearing him. He began to question, God, are you hearing my prayers? God, are you working? God, are you there? Are you going to do something about this situation? And can I tell you that sometimes God allows the circumstances and conditions we find ourselves in so that we will be pressed to cry out to Him. Because at times past when things were good and when we had things, if you would, That were making us comfortable, and we didn't have the doubt, and we didn't have the fear, and we didn't have, and we had all the things that make us happy, if you would. We didn't cry out to God. As a matter of fact, we behaved in a way as if we didn't even need God. And this is what God's people here, the position they found themselves in. The Israelites, when things got good, forgot about God. When things were going the way they wanted them to, they forgot about God. As a matter of fact, they lived their life almost like God didn't even exist. They were living their lives almost like God wasn't even around. And can I submit to you that many, uh, many people in our culture today, even in the United States of America, we have the freedom to assemble like we do uh, today and where we can do, if you would, as we want religiously. That people that call themselves Christians are living their day-to-day lives like they don't need God. And can I tell you today that we need God? Like never before, we need God. I need God this morning. You need God. As a matter of fact, there's not a day where we don't need God. Sometimes we think we only need God on Sunday. We only need God for church. We only need God for the religious, the spiritual aspects of our life. Can I tell you, you need God for life. You only have life because of God. You can only get life from God. Life can only be sustained with God. As a matter of fact, he's the one that has given us the life that we have and he's the one that has made us etern- et- made it eternal and everlasting. The only reason why it doesn't fail, the only reason why it doesn't run out, if you would, the only reason why it doesn't dissipate uh, into uh, uh, just the oblivion sometimes that we're living in is because God doesn't fail. Because God is everlasting, because God is eternal. And can I say this once again, that even though we find ourselves perhaps in circumstances and conditions that are not good, that God is still good, that he is still good. And I hope that you believe that this morning, because sometimes we don't feel like God's good. And this is where we balance our feelings with truth, because if you believe that long enough, you're believing a lie, because God is good. And he's always good, and he's never not been good. And God does hear and answer prayer. And God does care about your circumstance. You know what the enemy wants you to believe this morning? That God doesn't care about you, that he doesn't care about your life, that he doesn't care about your troubles today, that he doesn't care about your condition today, that he doesn't care about your circumstances today, so that you'll have this attitude about life that who cares? Who cares? And you know how many people take that attitude? You ever see... Uh, you ever see a little guy uh, when they're 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 playing a sport and they start losing? Well, one or two things happen. Either they get something in them and they start to fight harder, and I love watching that. How about how about you? They love to watch the underdog fight back when they're down. But then there's the other side of the coin, where the person starts to just give up. Who cares? and they start to say who cares about the score and who cares whether we do this and who cares whether to, who cares just who cares and we don't care but the truth of the matter is even that person that says they don't care really does care cuz nobody wants to lose nobody wants to be defeated and some christians are saying today about america who cares and about their marriage who cares and about their family who cares but you know as much as i'm hearing that i know that they do care they just feel defeated. They, they, they feel like there's, nothing, there's nowhere to go, there's nothing to do. But can I submit to you this morning, there is a place to go, and it's God. And it's always been God. And by the way, how often do we need to go low to be reminded that we need God? Because I know in my life, I forget Him without the low points. How about you? Sometimes uh, I say, God, it's been a while since I prayed with tears. You with me? God, it's been a while since I prayed with tears. God, it's been a while since I cried out to you. Now, you say, why, why should we pray? Because effectual, fervent prayer avails much. Sometimes we pray like it doesn't matter. We don't pray like our life's on the line. We don't pray like, you know, heaven and hell. And uh, we don't pray like there's, a, there's a, a, a need or there's an urgency. And sometimes God makes our life feel urgent so that we'll pray with urgency. You understand that this prophet, all of a sudden, got a little sense of emergency. He got a little sense of urgency. Look at his response. In verse number 2, he says he's crying out to God. And I said he's calling out to God. The first word, cry, uh, comes from a word that means just calling out to God. The second word means weeping and wailing and screaming. It's a little bit heavier than just calling to him. It's it's like, I need you to work. God, I need you to respond. I need your help. I don't know about you, but when someone comes and asks for something, sometimes the way they ask determines my response. How about you? If somebody seems like they don't care about what they're asking for, well, I don't really feel a sense of urgency to respond to that. But you ever have someone come and ask you for something and there's a real need there? It moves your heart to respond to it. It moves your heart to give to it. Sometimes God is trying to do something in us and he's using our circumstance, he's using our condition to compel us to come to a position where we understand that we needed God when things were good and we should have been crying out to him then. We should have been telling him how much we needed him then. But don't get to the place in your Christian life where you need to be brought so low that you have to understand that you needed God all the time. Listen, sometimes God just brings us to that point. And you may find yourself there, but get this, it's a, you're one step away from that revival. You're one step away from God working. He wants you to cry out to Him. He says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He says, he that, uh, th- they that seek me shall find me when they search for me with their whole heart. You know what? That gives me an understanding that some people don't seek with, for God with their whole heart. They just kind of just casually do it. They casually acknowledge God in their life. A casual acknowledging of God is not what's going to bring about a revival. Can I tell you that? In our country or in your life. It's not going to bring about a revival for us to just casually acknowledge God. God doesn't want us to casually acknowledge Him. He wants us to put Him in our lives where He should be. Where should God be in your life? First place? Or how about this? Every place. Every place. Sometimes we put God in first place so that we can, we can kind of like compartmentalize God. Well, that's my God place. And every other place is mine. So God gets first place, and I get second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. And I have more places than God, but he gets first place, you understand. Now, I understand that's not how first place is really supposed to work, but sometimes that's what happens. God wants every place of your life. Don't we know that from Scripture? That he wants all of me. That God wants, when God saved you, did he not save all of you? He saved all of you. He didn't just save you for the future. He saved you for now. He didn't just give you a life to wait for. He gave you a life today. God doesn't say, hey, listen, that's great. I saved you. Now you can just kind of live this life on your own and I'll see you in heaven. God says, I'm here with you. I'm entering into you. I, I want a relationship with you. I want every place of your life. And if we're going to see, if you would, a change, or we're going to see a revival, or we're going to be a revive, we're going to have to, number one, see the need to change. We're going to have to see the need to change. Um, anybody ever tried to lose weight? Just talk about the elephant in the room, no pun intended. You know, sometimes uh, in order to do that, What has to happen? Your pants don't fit. You see a picture of yourself. Something Come on. It happens to all of us, right? You know, on some level. And and, uh, we we start to see a need to change. You say, well, Pastor, you know, I'm just in perfect physical. I'm a perfect physical specimen this morning, so that uh, illustration doesn't really hit home with me. Well... I don't know what illustration would hit home with you. But in order for you to change from what you are today, you've got to see a need for it. You've got to understand that there's a need for you to change or you'll never change. And by the way, it doesn't matter if everyone else tells you that you need to change. If you don't see that you need to change, you'll never change. If you don't see that you actually need it, listen, uh, there's some young people in the room and your parents you're a teenager, and your parents are telling you these are areas of your life that need to change, and you don't see it. And by the way, you're never going to change until you see it. And the truth of the matter is, I'll tell you this this morning, God will not let you to continue to be disobedient before he brings you to a place where you will see it if you're one of his children. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna show it to you. They, they call that, you ever hear in the world, They call what do they call it, intervention? A group of people get together and they they try to show a person what their life is doing. And they try to show, and by the way, those don't always work either, do they? Because that person has to want it for themselves. That person has to see that they have a need themselves to change or they never will. And here's the truth this morning. If you want to change, that's great. But you won't change until you see a need to change. Some people want to change, but they don't see the need to change. And that's why they stay the same. They look at themselves and they say, well, this is okay. How many know you don't get what you expect, you get what you accept? Expectations are not always met. You with me? We don't always get what we expect, but we do get what we accept. In other words, you're going to get whatever you accept in life. If things happen to you and you accept that, if you, if you have behaviors in your life, or how many, how many anybody parents here, I understand this, I don't get from my children what I expect, I get what I accept. If I accept a behavior, that's what I'm always going to get. And by the way, if I do that with myself, that's what I'm always going to get. It comes a time to where we start to say, I don't accept this in my life anymore. I don't want this in my life anymore. I want to change I want to be different than what I am. And if you're sitting where you're at and you think, no, what needs to change is my circumstance. What needs to change is my condition. What needs to change is my surrounding. What needs to change is my environment. You can take a person who needs a change and put them in Bermuda or put them in the Bahamas or put them in Hawaii or put them in wherever your place favorite place to go is. You can put them on the perfect beach and the perfect environment and it doesn't change them. Because an environment doesn't change you. You change on the inside. Real change happens when you see a need to change. And you can put a person that doesn't have peace in the most peaceful place in this world and they still don't have peace. Why? Because peace is not the absence of trouble, it's the presence of God. Peace is not my circumstances being perfect, it's God being with me. Peace is, comes from God. Jesus said, I'm peace. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Peace comes from God. It doesn't come from our circumstances. How many know that you need peace today when it's not so good? I need peace when things aren't great, when my circumstances aren't good. I need peace then more than I need peace when things are good. So I understand it doesn't come from my optimal environment. It doesn't come from things being great. It comes from God. And if you need peace Listen, some of you are wrestling with God because you're telling God what needs to change in your life and God keeps telling you, no, you need to change. And you're saying, no, God, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't need to change. You see, see, my wife needs to change and my kids need to change and my job needs to change and my boss needs to change and everybody in your life needs to change except you. You understand that's the problem when we have that perspective, If you think everything in your life needs to change and you don't think you need to change, then you're not looking in the right place. It's not until we look at God face to face that we understand that we need the change. Isaiah said this when he saw God high and lifted up. He said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, mine eyes have seen the king. Nobody ever looked at God and thought well of themselves. Nobody ever, listen, the more you feel good about yourself the less you feel you need God. The greater your perspective, the greater your, uh, if you would, nearness is to God, the less you think of yourself, and the more you understand how much you need God. Moses couldn't see God, because God said, if I show you, if if we stand here face to face, you're going to be destroyed, because you can't, physically speaking, handle this. That's our God. And when uh, Habakkuk finally got it, he said, he said, I see something, Lord, but I'm understanding these circumstances because a change needs to happen. And it's not going to happen in a circumstance. It's not going to happen in the country until it happens in the hearts of the people of that country first. That's what God showed Habakkuk. He said it, it's, not a, it's not a government change that you need. It's not a regime change that you need. It's not a condition change that you need. It's a heart change that God's people need. Come on, what's the formula for revival? We get it from 2 Chronicles seven fourteen: If my people which are called by my name shall what? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. See, isn't it amazing that sometimes as Christians, when things are dead, when things are dormant, when we're not really worshiping God, living for God, if you would, Christianity doesn't seem so exciting to us anymore. The problem is, is that God didn't become less appealing. Listen, God hasn't changed, has he? He's the same person that you met the day you got saved. He's never changed. So if you're unhappy with God today, who changed? You or God? You did. Who needs to change? You or God? You do. I do. And when we see God, we see ourselves for what we are. And when we look into the perfect law of liberty, it's like looking into a mirror. Because God is always honest with us, isn't he? That's why sometimes we don't like talking to him. Because we know what we're going to hear from him. God says, this is an area of your life that needs to change. He say, God, uh, listen, he says, I am the Lord, I change not. God doesn't change because he doesn't need to change. But who needs to change? We need to change. And we've got to see a need for change. We need to be revived from complacency to caring to caring about our condition, to caring about our family's condition, to caring about our marriage's condition, to caring about our nation's condition. One of the saddest things I'm seeing today is a bunch of Christians saying they don't care anymore. Because if you would, it feels like you're losing. And it's easier to say, like that kid, I don't care because I know I'm going to lose, if you would, than it is to start getting a burden and get a fire in you, to start caring again and push forward knowing that God gives us the victory. When, when things are down, when sir, listen, when has God ever needed circumstances to be optimum to win? When has He ever needed conditions to be prime in order to bring blessing? As a matter of fact, we know our God shows up when everything's down. We know our God shows up when All, everything's in disarray. When the walls are torn down and everything is falling apart, God does his best work, doesn't he? You know why? It's not because of him, it's because of us. Because usually it takes all of that in order for us to start to say, we need you, God. We need you, God. Whether you have a bad marriage or not, you need God in your marriage. Whether you have trouble with your kids or not, you need God in your family. Whether, whether, whether things are good or bad, you need God. And by the way, you need Him just as much when, the, when it's good as you do when it's bad. And uh, we begin to backslide, if you would, in our lives when things are good because we, we feel like we can keep things going without God. One of the, one of the worst things that uh, I've, I've battled with, and I'll, I'll just be personal with success, sometimes when we have success, spiritually speaking, we begin to take the credit for it. Are you with me? Have you ever done that in your life? You start to have some success, and then you start to take the credit for your own success. When things aren't good, it's God's fault. When things are good, it's your fault. Come on. When things are bad, it's God's fault. But when things are good, it's because you're you're so good. Because of what you did. That's not the case. When things are good, it's because of God. And when things are bad, it's because you forgot God. And that's what we need to remember. We need to change. But here's the thing, even in a message like this, some people are sitting there and thinking, somebody in this room really needs this message. But it's not me. Because everything is good in my life. Isn't it sad that sometimes we're like that? It's right in front of our face, and we're assigning it to someone else. Don't assign it to the person sitting next to you. Say, God, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh, Lord. I need to change. Draw a circle around yourself and say, God, I need revival. Could your prayer life be better? Could your Bible study be better? Could your marriage be better? Could your relationship with God's church be better? Could your service be better? Could your witness be better? Are there areas of your life where you need change? Come on. Who in this room could say, no, I don't need anything to change? We're not perfect. We know that. So when a message preached like this say, who's it for? All of us. As a matter of fact, it's more for the people who don't think they need it. Because we all need it. I need it. I said uh, to my uh, class this morning, we had the Bible study uh, next door. This morning, I I slipped out of my bed and got on my knees and said, God, I need revival. God, I need need revival. God, I need restoration in my life. God, I I need change. I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want to be the same. And some people pride themselves on being the same they used to be. I don't want to be the same that used to be. If I'm walking with God and God's better than me, every day I walk with God, I should be getting better. How about you? If I'm following Him and He's going to good places, I mean, I should be getting better. I should be growing in His grace and His knowledge. How about you? That's where we're supposed to be. When we stop growing, we stop caring We need to see the need to change. Number two, we need to see the cause for our condition. We need to see the cause for our condition. Look at verse number four, Habakkuk chapter one. Therefore, the law is slack and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. What was the cause of the condition of Israel? They disobeyed God. That's it. As a matter of fact, if you want to read more about it, go to Jeremiah 22. You can read it later on your own. But in Jeremiah twenty two, the king took a knife to God's word. You know what he said? I don't need this. As a matter of fact, he took a penknife to God's word and cut it up. He burned it. I don't need it. I don't need God's word. What was that? That was his boldness in saying, I'm the king. God's word, I don't need God's word, my word's good enough. You know how many Christians do that, if you would, spiritually speaking, in their lives? They live their life like they don't need God's Word. Oh, we would never say it. But listen, we have to dust this off to go to church because we don't read it. We don't study it. We don't get in the Word of God. Listen, uh, if you love someone, when they write something to you, you want to read it, right? If you have a problem in a relationship with someone, when when they write something to you, you don't want to read it. Like when your boss sends you an email, right? You don't want to read that. But when your wife sends you a note, hopefully you want to read it. If things, if things are not great, maybe you don't. But when things are good, you want to read it. As a matter of fact, you can't wait. You know, my kids give me little notes. I had one in my car this morning. I had one on my desk yesterday. They write little notes. I can't wait to read them because I know I need them. They encourage my heart. You know, Daddy, I love you. Sometimes, boy, that keeps me from Really losing it. Sometimes I'm having a hard time and I read down and say, boy, somebody loves me. Somebody loves me. I don't feel like it. You say, oh, pastor, you're a pastor. Everybody loves you. You'd be surprised. (laughs) Sometimes we don't feel very loved. Sometimes, as a matter of fact, we feel rejected. We feel unloved. We feel like the world's against us. And isn't it amazing how, in those times, because of our maybe distance from God, God says, Hey, I wrote you something. Why don't you read it? Why have time? Too busy. For what? To be encouraged? I'm too busy. What? To be instructed? To get help? Listen, if you don't know how to do life, the greatest thing you could do is open up the Word of God because it's all about having life. It's all about how to live life. And you don't have to come to church to get it, by the way. You you can get it at home every day. And if you're wise, you'll you'll read it. And you'll study it and you'll get in the Word of God because it'll help you. But listen, the cause... Of our condition is our disregard for God's word. We're sometimes like the king who throws the word in the fire. You say I never throw the word of God in the fire. We we have a hard time throwing God's word out, but we have no problem ignoring it sometimes. By the way, there's no difference. Just because it's sitting on a shelf doesn't mean you're reverencing it. Just because it's sitting on a, on a shelf doesn't mean you're regarding it or obeying it. And the reason for their condition was their disobedience and disregard for God's word. And God says. I'll not let you have good circumstances and good conditions if you're going to disregard my word. If you disobey me, he's saying, hey, there's consequences to that. They have to see, we have to see the cause. You know, we need to be revived from our disobedience to God to obedience. Revival is simply a new beginning of obedience to God. We say, God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what your word says, not because I have to, but because I'm empowered to by your spirit. I want to, I desire to, because I know it brings blessing to my life and goodness to my life. The nation's problems were caused by leaders who wouldn't obey the law. It's sad when a nation won't, won't regard God, but it's worse when his own people won't. And sometimes we're waiting for the nation to take the first move. Righteousness exalts a nation. And unrighteousness is what brings a nation low. That's what the Bible tells us. Sins are reproach to any people. We need to be revived. Habakkuk got a revelation but no explanation. You know what sometimes we want? An explanation. Explain this to me, God. I want the why and God says, "No, obey." Just do what I want you to do. I want the explain. Listen, why in the world do we think that God can explain or needs to explain himself to us? And how great is our God if he can be explained in human terms? Can you explain God in human terms? How great he is? How awesome he is? How high his thoughts are? How high his ways are? We want to humanize God so we can tell God what to do. Is that what we want to do? A lot of times we would say, God, I want God to be like me so I can tell God what to do. Because God is not our servant, we're his servants. We don't come to God and say, God, this is what you do. We come to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? Because you're God, I'm not God. And by the way, you don't need to explain yourself because I even understand that I'm never even going to fully understand why you do what you do and why you've done what you've done. But I trust you. Isn't that what God wants from us? He wants complete reliance He wants complete trust. And we're waiting for God to earn it. Didn't he earn it when he died on the cross for us? Didn't he earn it when he purchased our redemption? You want God to keep earning your trust? God has already given you a reason and never one reason not to trust him. But yet we're questioning God and everything he's doing and why he's doing it. And we don't understand it. Listen, Habakkuk never got an explanation. He only got a revelation. God says, this is what I'm going to do. And Habakkuk said, I trust you. I trust you. And we've got to see the cause for our condition. Revival will happen in our hearts when we get a revelation of God once again. A God in whom there is no human explanation. I don't want to worship a God that I can explain away in human terms. I want to worship a God that's unexplainable. How about you? Unfathomable. Higher. Greater. Greater. That's what makes him God, by the way. But we want to have this God that we've organized, that we've put in a box, that we say he does this, doesn't do that. That, That's the God that we want to worship. That's not our God, though. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. So what's he saying to us? Don't try to explain me. Just obey me. Don't don't try to understand every little thing. Just obey me. Isn't that what a good parent will tell his children? You're not going to understand everything that I tell you to do, but just trust me. Because your knowledge is greater than theirs. Hopefully, right? Sometimes they remind you how theirs is greater than yours in circumstances. But you're supposed to have a greater outlook. A always thinking of their betterment and their good. And by the way, that's our father. He's a good father. He he always takes care of his children. We need to see the need to change. We need to see the cause for our condition. And lastly, we need to see the Lord's counsel. We need to see the Lord's counsel. God answered his servant and assured him that he was working among the nations, even though Habakkuk couldn't see it. Look at verse number 5, Habakkuk 1. Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told you. He said, listen, I'm doing a work. You may not see it, you may not understand it, but I never stopped working. Can I tell you that God has never stopped working in your life? He that hath begun a good work is faithful to complete it. He has never stopped. He has never left you. He has never forsaken you. Most of the time when you and I get discouraged, is because we believe a lie. We believe that God forgot about us. We believe that God's not regarding us. We believe that God doesn't care about an area of our life. Can I ask you if you're a parent, is there an area of your child's life that you don't care about? If there is, we know we need to change. Start to care about that area that we've not cared about. But our Father cares about every area of our life. Whether whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Why does he say that? Because we serve a God that numbers the hairs on our head and the days that we have. He knows our breaths. He knows where we go. He knows when we come in. He knows when we go out. He knows when we get up. He knows everything about you and I. And he loves us. He loves us. And by the way, isn't isn't interest one of the greatest ways to show love? God's not loving to us and say, I'm not interested in you. God says, I love you, and I love you so much, I'm interested in the very, very smallest detail of your life. I'm interested about things in your life that you're not even interested in. I've taken interest. God has never not been interested in you. He cares about you, and he loves you with an everlasting love. And nothing can separate us from that love, by the way. Height, depth, nor anything can separate us from the love of Christ. We're talking about a God who took on human flesh, who humbled himself and and took on the form of a man, who was made in a likeness and a fashion of a man, who humbled himself and became a servant, who lived on this earth with the purpose of going to a cross to die for us, who bled and died on a cross to purchase our redemption. He loves you. And he loves me, and by the way, his actions have proven it, that he loves us. And sometimes we're so quick to believe a lie, aren't we? We're so quick to believe something. We get all bent out of shape over these little different things. And God says, I care about you, I love you, and I want to revive you. I want to bring life to you. God gave Habakkuk a revelation, not an explanation. And what we always need in times of doubt is a new view of God. What we always need in times of doubt is a new view of God. You say, what are you talking about? Stop trying to make God be like you and start looking at who God really is and catch a glimpse of God. I I guarantee you, if you'll go face to face with God, if you'll say, hey God, I want to know you, they that seek me shall what? Find me. When they search for me with their whole heart. I give you this illustration. I'm done. I've given this before, but my kids like to play hide and seek. Anybody else? And I love when I'm the the seeker because I can say go hide and then, you know, read a book and, you know, everything else. But when someone plays hide and seek, the purpose is to be found, is it not? I mean, I know you try to hide and all those things, but your kids are not that interested when you're not looking for them. As a matter of fact, what drives the game is the fact that someone is seeking you, the fact that someone is searching you out, the someone that cares enough to come after you and look for you. It's not that exciting when you go hide and listen, try it at home, go home today and just go hide and nobody's looking for you. See how fun it is. Somebody asks you, what are you doing in the closet? I'm playing hide-and-seek. Why? It's fun. Who's looking for you? Nobody. Listen, close that door, walk away, and don't ask that person any more questions. The truth of the matter is, what drives the game is that someone is looking for you, someone is searching for you. The Bible says it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. sometimes God... He's he's playing, in essence, a little hide and seek, not that he doesn't want to be found, but that he wants you to understand you're not looking for an answer, you're looking for a person. And some of us, our problem today is that we're looking for a person, we're looking for an answer rather than a person. I'm having a problem. What's the answer? No, God says, I'm the answer. I need happiness. What can I do? God says, I'm joy, I'm happiness. I need love. Uh, what's the answer to? God says, I'm love. You can find it in me. I need salvation. What do I do? No, you come to me, and I'll bring salvation to your life. The answer is a person. He is the answer to all of life's problems. And, and by the way, the greatest thing that you'll do is just seek for God. And by the way, the, the, the thing about God is he's saying, I'm, even though I could hide and you wouldn't be able to see me, I won't do it. As a matter of fact, he played a little bit with Moses with that, didn't he? He put Moses in his hiding spot. He put his hand over the rock. And what did he do? When he walked by, he took his hand off. And he, he showed Moses just a little bit of his glory. It changed Moses' life forever. If you'll just get a glimpse of God, it doesn't mean your conditions will change. It may not even mean your circumstances change. But you'll change. And when we change boy, our perspective on life changes. The reason for trials, the reason why we're going through hardship, the reason why we're going, and that's what we need today. We all need a change, don't we? If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.